You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. Welcome to Clan of Three, a Mash Those Button co- podcast dedicated to the TV show The Mandalorian. I am your host, as always, Kurt Smith, better known as Edinar, and I'm joined tonight by Corey Treadway, also known as Kurabara. How you doing, bud? I don't know why, but I feel like I'm having this weird deja vu. Like I just did an hour of this already, and this is our second attempt. Yeah, we had a little bit of issues. <laughs> um, where there was a bug with my side of things. So, uh, we're at it again. So, we are without Death Squad, a.k.a. Uh, Jake Wilson, whose computer actually wouldn't even turn on. So, we have one host whose computer won't turn on, and another host whose Audacity files uh, took a giant crap on him. So, we're off to a great start. I mean, um, Mandalorian also had his ship take a crap out, so, you know, we're all having it this week. We're all having one of those weeks. So, all right, uh, we would like to welcome any of our first-time listeners. If you'd like to become part of the Clan of Three community, please join us over at mash.gg slash discord, where you can meet the hosts and talk Mandalorian and all things Star Wars. Um, I mean, first, before we get into our topics of, you know, our topic one of the new episode and topic two, what we hope to see going forward uh we do have a couple of questions from the audience we want to throw out there so uh Kurt, you want to take this one yeah we got some our audience is nice as we can get, ask us some questions and questions we come from agent 101 it says do you think it is overkill if they put more allies in the episode um it's okay so i don't think it's overkill if they reuse allies more and more. What I do think is overkill if they just keep introducing one ally, have them in for like one episode, maybe one and a half, and then we never see them again. Um, so like that is where I think it would be overkill. If you just introduce these people, never see them again, introduce them to never see them again, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You need to have more of a stability than Mando and uh, Baby Yoda. Need to have more than that, and that's where I'm hoping somebody like a Cobb Varth, or sorry, Cobb Vanth, um, comes in. Like they did tease at the end of the episode last week for episode one that we would be seeing more and more of him. Um, but you also have, um, got Grief Karga, uh, that I think we're gonna start seeing again. Um, you know we are uh, God. But we're not going to see everyone's favorite Ugnaught. Well, we'll get there. You will kind of, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll see Cardoon again. Um, so we'll definitely see them. Um, but yeah, you know, what do you think? Yeah, I like what they. I like the more reoccurring characters, just so we have people to think about besides just the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda, because. It's just I don't want to have hundreds and hundreds of characters I have to think about who were there for like one episode. And it's like remember back twenty episodes, this one person, this one like, oh yeah, oh that's true. So if they do it yep. right, I'll be okay with it. Yeah, as long as we start seeing some of these old 
um, these these old like allies come back, then I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, but they they with some people try to get in just to get at least one cameo. You might see some characters like a lot more one offs. Hmm. I I just don't. I I think. Well, the you're gonna probably see Cobb Vanth uh, come into play. Yeah. Uh, when when we do actually get um to Boba Fett, uh, to Boba Fett, um, and then you're gonna see grief and Cara Dune, uh, probably when they have the because uh um. What is his name? The bad guy from season one. Um, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Why could I not think of Moff Gideon? I, I was like, I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, we know he's stranded on the planet, so they probably have to go back to that planet to deal with him. Oh, he's probably not stranded. He's probably got a contingency to get him off. That I would not worry about that. Eh, but that would be a good way to get uh you know, grief and Cardoon back into the picture. Mm-hmm. But moving on, uh, the next question we have here is, do you guys like how they break the chapters into individual stories or would you like a long story broken up into actual chapters? Okay. So this is kind of a confusing question. So like when you say, do you guys like how they break the chapters into individual stories by chapters? Do you mean like acts in each episode? Or do you mean like uh, chapters are kind of like a, a stretch of two to three episodes? I think what he means is because the way the way that they do these episodes, they're not called episode one; they're called chapter one. Chapter the like this was like this was chapter ten. The passenger. Mm. I'm pretty sure he means the individual episodes. Okay, so like in that instance, I do like how they're breaking the chapters into individual stories, but having continuity between them, but they're not, it's not just one super long story. It's not like you have, you basically took like a a three hour movie and cut it into like six episodes. Like you have their own individuality in each one that leads to, yeah, Mm -hmm. with something that, that links that in the next episode, but it may not, because, I mean, we had this whole episode, um, like, the the episode before, the first episode, yeah, it's technically linked with this episode, but none of the storyline truly uh, follows, except for the overwhelming arc of he needs to find other Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing, really, that is doing it, and each story. So, like, I like how they're kind of doing stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really also appreciate how they have it. A- like each each individual episode is its own thing. I hate the ones that have like a overarching story that you have to literally have to watch every episode and try to recall all that through the season. That gets kind of mm-hmm. pain in the butt. Or when they have one and it's just literally in your face, like, "Hey, did you notice that we're hinting at something? We're hinting like I got it." I want to be like right. a subtle hint, something I find like a, a second or third watch through. Oh, that's what they are meaning over here. Got it. I like mm-hmm. subtlety. Well, you are going to have a lot of that in this show. <laughs> um, but I, I guess that's all our questions. Now, if you if you want us to answer any of your questions, make sure to come over to the, the Mash Those Button Discord and come to the Clan of Three channel and ask us any questions. We'd be more than happy to answer them either in Discord or on the show. 
And you, can, um, and you can even ask us why our opinions suck. We'll be okay with that. And it's fair. Um, all right, so let's get right down into topic one, which is obviously it's the new episode. Um, <laughs> what else would topic one be? So um, the next episode. To- <laughs> so uh, t- chapter ten, th- this new episode, the passenger. Um, I guess we'll we'll do what we've always been doing: break it down into three acts and go through each one. So act one, chapter ten, the passenger. The Mandalorian is riding the speeder back from Mos Pelgo and the Crate Dragon in the last episode. Some bandits set up a rope as an ambush, and the Mandalorian rides right into it, trashing his vehicle. He brawls with them and knocks them all out except for a small alien that holds the child at knife point. The Mandalorian trades his jetpack for the child, and then while the alien is holding the jetpack, uses a remote control to blast it and the alien into the sky. Alien drops back to the ground and the jetpack floats down and lands for the Mandalorian to reclaim it, victorious over the bandits. The Mandalorian hikes back to Mos Eisley and finds Pelly the Mechanic in the cantina playing Sabacc with a giant ant alien. The ant, through Pelly, claims that he knows of a nearby Mandalorian covert. The alien, referred to as Dr. Mandible by Pelly, says that he will reveal the covert location if the Mandalorian covers his wager. Mandalorian agrees, and Pelly wins the hand. They head back to the garage. All right, so we got this. Um, you, you, I mean, you got the weird little. Hey, we're just gonna pick up where we left off last time, and you got like the. It's 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 in like so many movies and so many TV shows where it's like it's it's the most predictable thing in the world. It's like this person's racing, then they pan to the bad guy, then back to the person racing. And back to the bad guy. And then you just see it happening for like the next two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing so I you saw it coming and then, you know. Yeah, I was a little disappointed in it because I was expected more like it was. Because when he gets there, it's a little it's kind of humorous. They pull the rope and with a rope that looks very similar to the rope they had for the Kray Dragon. But regardless of that, they pull it and he just gets flipped off. And then uses jetpack to slowly glide back down. I'm like, oh, I thought he was gonna do something cool, Batman thing, and like like spade the speeder down below or do something weird where he just takes the rope and takes him out. But it's like, no, he literally was like, oh shit, rope must not fall. Right? It's just like speeder bikes can handle like any terrain, but okay. man, you get a piece of rope. Mm. Things go down. Well, this is the same thing we happened with the the walkers from Empire Strikes Back. They just had tow cables, took the legs out. Sometimes it's the simplest things. Um, so uh, you know, and and you get the fight, and, and so it, the the fight was okay in itself. But the the part of this that I think everyone talks about is when uh, the Jawa or the Jawa robe looking thing, which actually turns out to be. We don't know the name of the race, but I'd seen this 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 machine before, and uh, what it was is it, we saw it in the new trilogy uh, in, as Scrapjaw Motito uh, okay. was the name of the, the 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 creature that was cleaning you know scavenge stuff on Jakku next to Ray, um, and all that stuff. It's the exact same species; they look identical. We don't know what the species is. We don't know anything else about them. But he's holding a knife to baby Yoda. 
and, and uh, you really shouldn't do that. That's a, that's all that was his first mistake. It's only just play dead, leave him alone. Don't don't try to like. What was yeah. uh, what was their motivation for this? Because were they trying to I guess get Baby Yoda, or were they trying to get the bounty on? Like, there's, remember, to, there's no bounty on Baby Yoda anymore. Yeah, that's what I was trying to like. What's what was their really just? I think they were just trying to rob him. Okay, they were just random bandits that were just like, yeah, they were just random bandits that were trying to rob someone. Um, so that's I mean that's how I took it at least. I didn't think it was a premeditated like oh we have to follow him and and take baby Yoda. Okay, that's um, what I thought. I thought they were like the way back to where they used to have, they had bounty on bounty. Like maybe the Empire's still trying to get him. Mm-hmm. Now, okay, so he offers him anything there. To not hurt Baby Yoda, and he took the jetpack, and we all saw what happened there. But I want to ask you, Kerr, what would you have taken? The scrap metal and not taking the other stuff. Like the best car armor would made sense because it's one of the most valuable items he has on him. But after he just kicked the butt of all my buddies, mm, maybe not try to push it too much. I'll just take the scrap metal off this thing. I can at least carry that with my friends, or hopefully they're not dead. We can carry that back out, and the guy won't bug me too much, you know? Yeah. I mean, I would have gone for the for Boba Fett's armor. Um, but, you know, we all saw what happened. You know, shot up in the air. Kaput. Yeah. It was hilarious when that jetpack came back down, though. It's like, I'm going to land nicely. And then it, it just tips over. <laughs> It just looked to me. It looked like one of the Tesla rockets landing back down, and everyone uh, minus the tipping over. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> my, I've never seen rockets go up and go down that easily. Maybe I've not watched. Oh yeah, yeah, no. Tesla has been testing rockets that they shoot stuff into orbit, and then they come back and they land on a platform so they can be reused. Oh, that's cool. I did not actually not know. I was not aware. Yeah, of that. it's actually it's actually like it, I I would recommend googling it because uh, it's actually super cool. Um, so you know, and then you you know we come back to you know to most Isley, like after a nice trek through the desert, which had to have taken days or a long time to get through there, and. Where did he? Does, how much food did he have packed on him to get through that? Like he hadn't. No. Like I know he had the cray dragon meat, but as we've seen, he didn't cook it yet. I mean, he also wasn't like he was within a day, like within a day's speed on a speed racer to get to the other uh, city, and he had been riding on that that like that racer for a while. So it could in th- he could in theory have only been a day out. Okay, maybe he was close enough where that he could just walk the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. But would you really have had a Batman be like standing outside that close to the, the outskirts of a city? Probably. I don't know. Why did he get water? I. These are things that we just don't know. And <laughs> little little nitpicky details, you know. Yeah, very nitpicky details. So we go yeah. back into the cantina. Well, before we get to the cantina, I did uh, love that they, they, they put in your favorite guys. God damn Ewoks. <laughs> I hate them so much. Ewoks? I didn't see Ewoks. I saw uh, sorry, Jawas. Uh, Jawas. <laughs> I hate Ewoks too. 
but Jawas are I I just don't get Jawas. I just don't. Um <laughs> Oh, we see those two little annoying bastards. You should have just shot them. Um I would have been okay with that. Speaking of shot where mm. where <laughs> nice segue, Kara. So all right, so they get back into the cantina, and this is when you start to get some uh, the Easter eggs galore that you might have missed. So at the exact six minute mark of the episode, you if you pause it, you see um you see uh IG88's head right there. And you also see a Gorgon, which is like a a Yeti Wookie looking thing. We've seen it uh, occasionally in, in in the past, not much. Yeah, uh, I think we saw it in Solo. They don't get as much love as Wookies. Yeah, uh, but you see them both in the same frame, so that was pretty cool. Um, and then we go over to he goes over to speak to you know Pelly and uh, the Ant Man that looks like an ant from. Uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, who we do know whose name it is, and the name of that ant is Dr. Mandible. Dr. Mandible! The most Bond villain name in Star Wars history. Currently. Currently is Dr. Mandible, the Ant-Man. Which, it's funny about being Ant-Man, because the episode is directed by uh, Pete and Reed, who directed Ant-Man. Heyo! Yeah, maybe he just really wanted to throw a subtle nod to his claim to fame. Mm-hmm. There was some I was doing looking on research on that alien race because I'm like, it looks familiar, but I don't remember seeing one. I thought it might like a lot of people are saying it's a killick, but it's not really it. The killick's also an insectoid race in Star Wars, most known from the Dark Nest trilogy book series. Mm hmm. But they looked kind of different than this guy does. Like, they're ant-like, but not, like, the shapes and everything else are different. So, hard to tell if it actually was one or not. Yeah. Um, Another little Easter egg right here is where they are sitting is the exact same booth where either, depending on what version you've seen, uh, Han shot first or Greedo shot first. Uh, yeah. So that that was a nice little like as soon as I saw the booth that they were playing in, yeah, um, and it's actually the same booth because this actually is a recreation of the uh, the set they used for for the cantina, the um, Childman's Cantina from A New yeah. Hope. And we we see them playing a very popular game in the Star Wars universe that uh, we've seen throughout. Like, all right, you you played a lot of it. Yeah, you mean Connect Four, uh, right? Yes, Connect Four. <laughs> Connect Four and Operation are huge in the Star Wars universe. It's those that goddamn funny bone nobody can ever get. But actually, uh, what it is, it's it's the back from like I I originally played it in Knights of the Old Republic and played many mm-hmm. games of it. Basically, like a game of blackjack, got to get to twenty three instead of twenty one. But mm-hmm. where would they most likely know it from? Well, it is the game that Han Solo beat Lando Calrissian in to get the Millennium Falcon. So you got that going for us. When he's not uh, cheating. Yes. When he, Which, when he prevented Lando from cheating to beat him. 
Yeah, it was amusing because uh, probably actually the hand she he played, I think it was the, like, I'm drawing a blank, the idiots, the idiots, idiots are right. right. Idiots yep. are right. Idiots That's are right. It it's like the, the best possible hand you can have. And she basically just stole from Mando because she knew that, like, the, the Ant-Man or Dr. Mandible was going to uh, lose lose no matter what. So she let Mando put the money down, knowing she was going to take Mando's money. Yeah, but and why did she actually? Why did Mando do that? Besides, like, because he knew someone who could, in turn, lead him towards another Mandalorian. So five hundred is so much for just. I might know someone who knows somebody. Right, like, hello. Where are you getting all these credits? Yeah, where actually did he get all these credits? Oh, like, did he rob the Imperials when he get back there? Like, I know he got a bunch of credits before, but I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting where he got some extra credits from. Right? It's like, uh, I don't, I don't know where you're getting all this, but he did have it. Um, and so I mean, that's kind of Act One. It, it was, it's basically just uh, a giant, hey. We're setting up for what turns out to be Act Three. Like we're just kind of getting our footing in, which is what an act, the first act, should do, um, in any series or movie or anything like that. So, um, is there anything else in Act One you want to to talk about? The one thing I was like, one thing I thought was kind of weird thinking about it is Pelly is like. She said she didn't go out much after the the empire fell. Did she just mean inside that city right there? Because I guess the I think she meant she the, it, she doesn't leave the city. Yeah, That's what she, she meant. I thought she said the inside the walls. So I thought that inside her building she's in because no, because there's like a wall. yeah, there's like kind of like a little wall around the city okay. type of thing. Um, so yeah, no, it, it she doesn't get outside of uh, Mos Eisley. Okay, I thought that was an easy one to fix. I wasn't hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, let's let's go ahead and uh, get into Act Two then. At the garage, Pelly explains to the Mandalorian that to get to the covert, he will need to take a passenger to the next system without using his hyperdrive. The passenger turns out to be a frog alien lady with a small vat full of eggs. The eggs are the last of her species and will not survive hyperspace travel. She and her eggs and the Mandalorian and the child all depart Tatooine in the Razor Crest. As they travel through space, the child is fascinated by the vat of eggs. The Mandalorian goes to check on him and finds him trying to eat the eggs. He scolds him and puts him to bed in the sleeping compartment, where he also lays down as well. He is awoken by an alarm as a pair of New Republic X-Wings have flown up on the Razor Crest. They pester the Mandalorian to turn on his beacon and then ask him for a ping from his ship. Unable to talk his way out, the Mandalorian finally pings the X-Wings, and they immediately open their wings into an attack position. The Mandalorian tries to evade them, dropping down into the atmosphere of a nearby planet, before heading all the way down to the frozen surface, where he nearly crashes the ship in an ice cave. Although he did manage to lose the X-Wings, the ship has sustained serious damage. Alright, so, again, right off the bat, we get another Easter egg. Uh, in this, and they're cooking the crate dragon using pod racers. 
or some kind of engine. We're not really sure if it's a pod racer, but we assumed it's a pod racer engine. Yeah, no, it is. It is a pod racer grill that they're using. They're using the engine from the pod racer to heat it. Um, don't use the Foreman grill. Use the pod racer grill. Yes. We don't know if the pod was like uh, actually anything famous, kind of like what we saw with Anakin's old pod racer uh, in the last episode. But uh, you know, it's just a, a, a nice little throwback to being like, "Hey, remember?" Yeah, make, make sure, make sure if you're gonna ever give Pelly some some meat, it's got to be well done. She's not a she's not a yeah. Rodian, which was what Greedo's yes. race was. Mm-hmm. They do not like them. Yeah, I'm guessing the Rodians either like it more rare or not sure, or just yeah, who knows? And then we get to. And first off, okay, so we get Frog Lady. Um, Frog Lady. I, I, I don't get, one, how they don't have a name for, for the Frog Lady. Well, they didn't have a name for the other, the, the Greedo earlier in the small alien, so. Yeah, but, like, this is an actual, like, main character in an episode. All right. It's kind of like, uh, you know, in the last episode, uh, Cobb Vanth not getting a name. Um, because it's, it's one of those things. It's, you would have, like, you uh, uh, could have translated. Because she could speak to the frog mm-hmm. lady. She could have given, you know, uh, Mando her name. But, well, don't worry. Pelly has known her for five minutes. Trust her with her life. Yes. Great, great judge of character. Doesn't need a name. Mm-hmm. But the they did the same thing last season with Quill, because we didn't get his name until like the the second to last episode. Before that, he was just known as the Ugnaught of I Have Spoken. He didn't have a name. Yeah. It's just, I, I just don't, it's too important to not know anything about this, the, this frog lady. Because it's obviously we're we're gonna probably get more frog lady next episode. Um, well, she hasn't left yet, so probably. she hasn't left yet. Uh, so we'll probably get her next episode, and we just don't know the name. We don't know the race. Now we could get that next episode. I just it would have been so easy just to give her a name. You don't even need to know race, but a name would have been nice. Um, been very very much appreciated. One thing also about the frog lady that's that's good to note. Is that she's uh, played by Missy Rosa, who also played the Ugnaught Quill from the first season. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Nick Nolte voiced the character, but underneath the mask and the costume, she was the one who did the character. So, mm-hmm. it's nice. She got a second role. Yep. But she also is not the voice of Frog Lady. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> she's good at acting, but not talking. So, we got that going for us. <laughs> I, don't know. I know it's not that hard. I was about to say it's not hard to make frog noise, but actually that would be very difficult. So I take that back. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this this next part is where I have a problem with the the episode, and that is just the lazy, lazy writing that they did. So, like in having to give her safe passage, uh, it is explained that. She needs to get to this planet, but you cannot use the hyperdrive. You have to drive. Why not? 
because her eggs will be destroyed if you use the hyperdrive. That uh, just seems like lazy writing. They need it, a re- they need a reason for him not to be going. And they the yeah, to, yeah, they need a reason to be like, um, yeah, yeah, like to not use hyperdrive, and they had to go the sub light travel, and it's just like, well, how do we do that? Like, oh, let's just make this up and be like, oh, you can't you use hyperdrive because the eggs will be destroyed. That's that's it. Like to me, that is just lazy writing. Like, I guess it's fair, but I'm like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what about hyperdrive. It's different from like going as fast as sublight would not damage the eggs. Yeah. Maybe the speed. I I just don't know. It's, it was just, it just kind of seems like a throwaway type. Oh, let's just have them do that. Well, you could say speed, but they have, they have dampeners on these ships. So you wouldn't really feel anyways. And whenever I see them go into hyperdrive, I don't see anybody like like being forced back or anything. It's just they went into hyperdrive. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if and there's some radiation or something that we can, they can't block with their ships. I'm just curious what about it is causing the eggs. Yeah, uh, and they're going to the island, uh, the the uh, moon of Trask. Uh, I don't know if we've ever dealt with the moon of Trask before. Well, not the moon of Trask, but there are various characters with the name Trask in various Star Wars literature and lore. So, like, not only two mode major, but like the Trask is, is, is a reoccurring name in Star Wars. Yeah. It just said that, uh, oh, what was it that, what did they exactly say? Um, the frog, the lady's husband, has settled on the estuary moon of Trask in mm. the Colben system. Because uh, it's the only where, place their race can survive. Yeah, but that's where the frog lady confirms her husband has seen Mandalorians. Um, so that very well could be in the trailer we see like a, a port type thing. Maybe it's mm-hmm. maybe it's there, which makes sense. Well, they will be an aquatic race, so being a frog, so that would make sense to go to the aqua- an aquatic planet. Mm-hmm. Um. So we basically we get, they they're on their way, and this well for starters we do see Baby Yoda use the Force here. We do. What's he do yeah. with it? He uses the Force to pull the eggs toward him to eat them like a fat little baby. Like, <laughs> yes. like okay, the 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 overall synopsis of this episode. Baby Yoda can't stop eating. He's a fat kid. He's a little fat kid. Yeah. Like, if you've ever seen the interview, when they go to North Korea, they show off this little fat kid in front of a grocery store. They're like, hey, look at there. There's that little fat kid. <laughs> but this is one thing, like, like, is a reoccurring female episode is Frog Lady is such a terrible mother. Like, why is her eggs like, they didn't really seem to be like tied down that well. And also, this is your last line. Why didn't you bring the eggs with you up to the cockpit? It should have been. Yeah, that you hard just let them down, and and she doesn't even realize that you know this is all right for starters. Baby Yoda. This is not the only time this episode that Baby Yoda is eating these eggs. He's eating a lot of them, and and she does not confront Baby Yoda, so she doesn't know how many eggs are in there. She just like she doesn't realize that Baby Yoda's probably eaten five to ten of these eggs throughout the episode. 
probably more. And she's just like, oh, no, no, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's just my breed. Yeah. Your lineage obviously is not that important to know how many eggs there are. Ugh, parents of the year. Yeah. But like they go, they go take that nap and then that alarm comes off was really cool. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll go down like, ah, oh, crap! Is the ship gonna break down now? Yeah, like but you knew something was coming. Nah. Instead, we get the X-wing space police. Yes, and so you got the two of them. But do you want to go over who they actually are? Yeah. First up, we have uh, Captain Carson Teva, played by Paul Sunhyung Lee from. Which is a big deal. This is a big deal in Canada. He's actually was a, a Canadian sitcom called Kim's Convenience. And one of my buddies, Jacoby, told me that it was actually the news and was a big deal over there. I I guess. Yeah. It looks like a fun... I actually might take it out. I, I do like sitcoms, so... Sure. I'll take it out. I'm interested. Yeah. But more interesting enough is the actual... The other pilot, Trapper Wolf, is played by series executive producer... Dave Filoni. Yes, and if you do not know who Dave Filoni is, you are not a Star Wars fan. I have no problem saying that because he is he has produced the best Star Wars content since the original trilogy. Oh really? What has he produced? Uh, let's see. We have the I'm being a smartass, by the way. <laughs> yes. I could tell. Um, so you have uh well, the Clone Wars. Uh, you have Rebels. Basically, if you if you think of it, um, well, the Mandalorian. Uh, he was well. He's also a voice in Rogue One. <laughs> uh, he worked on the Force Awakens, but he's really known for the Clone Wars, Rebels, Force of Destiny, Star Wars Resistance. He's doing the new Star Wars: The Bad Batch. Um, he was also the director of Avatar The Last Airbender. I'll just throw that out there. He's, the best way to describe him, if you're a Marvel fan, is he is the Kevin Fahey of Star Wars, in my mind. Um, now, he works more towards the, the animated side, but let's be real, the animated side has produced better content in the past 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so, I thought... And this interaction they had between Mando and the pilots was hilarious, I thought. Because they're like, they're like, hey, you, your transponder's not on. It's like, oh, it's an old one. Doesn't have one. Don't worry about it. Oh, okay. Well, we're looking for, looking for some Imperials, so can you ping us? Oh, uh, nope, nope, broken. Totally broken. Oh, well, that'd be a shame. We might have to do something if you don't ping it. Oh, shit. It, uh, uh, Actually, yep, it's starting to work. There you go. So they 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 go into the fight formation, then then shit starts to get real. And they they start diving, and then you go into the trench run, which every freaking Star Wars fight scene has has the tr- a trench scene. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Now, when it first dropped in, I was like, "Oh, please let this be Hoth," um, and it, it obviously wasn't. Um, it was Maldo Chris, which we have seen before in the Mandalorian. This is the planet that ha- was in the first episode where he, he, uh, his first bounty, when we first saw him walk into the bar, 
Um, that is Maldo Chris. Um, so we have been there before. So, you know, there is habitation, obviously not where he's at, but there is habitation there. Um, and other creatures and other life forms. It was a fun, fun little dodging thing because he's trying to take a really old school Razor Crest. It's supposed to be an outdated model, outdated before even the Empire fell, and he's trying to fight against top of the line X Wings, which mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, like me just taking my my little old junker and trying to go get someone's nice little sports car. I'm like, I'm gonna lose. Yeah. They also uh, the the uh, the. X-wing pilots basically had like a a change of what we know. It was like they were being like, "Dude, don't make us do this. Just stop running. We don't want to have to shoot on you, but we will." Which is not something we've really ever seen before. Or we're like the Empire would have just shot his, shot him down. Exactly. Um. So he, he crash lands, and you know. Yeah, crash lands, and then that would be the end of Act Two. Yeah, and like the crash was kind of cool. It, like, it was probably on accident, but it kind of looked like when Luke's X-wing sank into the swamp of Dagobah. Probably not intentional, but. Hmm. So it, it was a it was a kind of meh act. Um, it just kind of built onto the the climax of Act Three. Uh, I like the end of the act. Like I like the watching them, the racing, the the X wings chasing him, and him trying to use his skills to outmaneuver them because he did try. And that stuff's like this is not going to work, but whatever. Yeah, and then you see him crash and kind of hide from them, and then you have the okay, he's gonna he can fly away, and then he crashes again through the ice, uh, and that's where I guess we'll we'll get into uh, Act Three. Mandalorian finds the child trying to eat more eggs in the breached hull. He gets blankets for everyone since they are exposed to the frozen temperatures. The frog alien is trying to get the Mandalorian's attention, but as he does not understand her language, he dismisses her and falls asleep. He awakens to see that she has used the head of Zero, the robot that the Mandalorian shot up during the prison break last season, to jerry-rig as a translator. She guilts the Mandalorian into starting on the repairs. As he works on the ship, the child appears and gets his attention. They walk around the Razor Crest to see that the Frog Lady has left the ship to wander further into the cave. The Mandalorian and the child find their passenger and her eggs enjoying a nice hot spring. While the Mandalorian gathers up the eggs so they can return to the ship, the child tries to snatch one and is scolded again. He wanders off and finds a field of oblong eggs. He opens one and eats the creature inside. Just then, the rest of the eggs start to shake and spider-like creatures emerge. The child runs back to the Mandalorian and now larger spider creatures are appearing, including a massive one that seems to be the queen. The group tries to flee through the cavern, but the swarm of spiders keep up with them, all the way back to the Razor Crest. They infest the breached hull and almost invade the cockpit, but the frog alien helps shoot them back and the Mandalorian is able to close the door. Mandalorian tries to take off to flee, but the queen jumps on the ship and stabs into the cockpit with her legs. The ship drops back to the ground with no chance of it going anywhere. Suddenly, blaster fire is heard outside the ship, and the spider aliens, including the queen, are shot off the craft. The Mandalorian goes outside to investigate, and the two X-Wings from earlier are back, 
They help kill all the spiders and then explain that he has an arrest warrant for his involvement in breaking Quinn out of the prison ship last season. However, he did leave them three other criminals and tried to save the Republic Guard on the ship, so the warrant is overlooked. They decline to help him any further, but tell him to fix his beacon and then leave. The Mandalorian is able to seal the cockpit and get the ship flying again, enough for the group to resume their flight. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I mean, Ooh, I boy. guess Act 3 starts off with f- Fat Baby Yoda. God damn, Eating Fat Baby more Yoda. freaking eggs. And the world's worth mother not doing shit about it. Yeah, it doesn't even try, like, try to stop them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, I hate that. So the Razor Crest is basically destroyed. Oh, and <laughs> destroyed is light use of the word. Yeah. And and then you get the back and forth and uh, somehow Frog Lady is also an engineer and can reprogram a machine to talk to Mando. Yeah. Which is a cool thing. It was the it was zero from from the prison break episode, which they constantly bring back the prison break episode into this episode. Mm hmm. Uh, so uh, basically talking about the importance, but here's what happens. Mando goes to repair his ship with a toolbox that looks like it was, it's something you'd give a 10 year old for Christmas. Like it looks like it's one of those that we have a hammer. We have a Phillips and a flathead screwdriver, uh, maybe a level. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's about it. Yeah. And you're like, and there's a hole in the side of your ship. There's some liquids pouring out of the side, and you have your handy dandy tool that can magically fix all of that. Yeah, it's nothing wrong with that because that's basically what a lot of us star cars would probably have. At most, would have that. Like your typical person, like your enthusiast, might have tons of extra stuff and parts to fix things, but normal, your standard repair kit. I did like how she she basically made Mando feel bad with his Mandalorian prides. Like, oh, Mandalorians, I thought you guys were cool, but guess the stories are wrong. You guys can't do shit. He's like, fine, I will make an attempt. Like, I want to know before. Okay, spoilers. There's spiders in this episode. Uh, Before they get to that whole scene. What was his plan for fixing the giant effing hole in the side of the ship? Um, I don't think he thought it through, really. I'm pretty sure he just kind of like, I'm going to, and he looked outside, he's like, crap. <laughs> like, you, you still had to deal with that. Um, and then you get the <laughs> mother of the year again. I'm just going to wander off with my babies in an ice cavern. What? That could have fused me so much. Like, until we get to her, I'm like. Why did she leave? Is she trying to run away? Like, it's not like she's a prisoner or anything else. Or Like, you could have done something where uh, you you hear this, like, slight humming or you hear a sound and she goes towards it. Yeah. Not, I'm going to go try and find a hot water spring to warm up. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, that just happens to be a hot water spring on an ice planet. Like five minutes away at best from you. Mm-hmm. That's highly convenient. Right? You're just like, mm, okay. Hey, guess what happens then? 
eggs get eaten again by baby, by fat fat baby Yoda. <laughs> I, she doesn't stop it either. Once again, like, does sh- not stop it. Like baby Yoda is trying to eat her children in front of her, and she's not doing shit about it. Mm, so what does so what does baby Yoda do? He goes and eats a spider. Yeah, which which conveniently they looked very similar to the egg sacs from the Alien films. I'm like, but unlike everybody else in those films, they're like, Ooh, this kind's kind of weird. Maybe Yoda just freaking just breaks it apart. It's like, hey, there's a spider. Mmm, delicious. Mm-hmm. I'm like, gross. Yeah, so it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you as soon as you see one of the eggs, it's it's a typical like horror like type flick to thing where you see like the eggs start to slowly shake, and then you just see all like a bigger spiders come over then you have the mama spider and they're just getting chased. mama was pissed she's like what are you doing here yeah i i did like the frog lady's like oh shit i need to run faster so she like gets on all fours <laughs> it goes hop mode and goes hopping um but what do we think about that why wasn't mando using his flamethrower more again like i literally. don't i don't know he's like he, he i guess he just wanted to use gun more like, does he, it have a fuel system that has limits or something? And that could be it. it that 100% could be it. But I feel like you would use that up first, not last. Yeah. And also these spider things. This is not the first time uh, we've seen it in Star Wars. The first well, time we've seen it in live. Well, it's the first time we've seen it in action. Like, in yeah. a movie, TV show, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, we this what these are based on these were actually used to be there was a unused concept art for empire strikes back mm-hmm. with these very white like spiders which we see right here and they reused them again in the star wars rebels cartoon series where they had a they had a five they were called the the cry the krikna is how it's pronounced but those ones were resistant to blaster fire and lots of damage, where these ones, Mando could easily just shoot them with a blaster and no problem, they exploded like one hit on the small ones. Yeah, if I remember those things in Rebels correctly, it was also on a like a desert planet. Um, yep, I guess the ice variants are very weak to blaster, but the desert variants, because of the heat, they can just... Uh, yeah, and they wouldn't, and they wouldn't uh, attack you if they didn't sense fear and stuff like that in Rebels. There's... It, it was a very weird storyline in Rebels about those yeah. spiders. These things are very terrifying looking, though. Like they made, there oh. were so many and made my skin crawl. Oh, for I'm sure. I'm not afraid of spiders. Well, I, I, I hate spiders, so I did, I did not like this scene at all. Yeah. So if you have friends who want to watch this, want to watch Mandalorian, and they have a deaf fear of spiders. Tell them to avoid Episode Ten. <laughs> so the the X wing pilots come back to to save them, and I have questions. <laughs> yeah. Well, the one thing I did appreciate by there was when they they finally run back. Well, one thing was kind of silly though. I have no idea what his plan was once he got back to that ship because he's far away from the nearest port. So, what well, was I his- get it because like the only safe place for him to get that is secure right now is in the cockpit. Yeah, um, and if and and it was we were led to believe that the the mama got blown up so without the mama they wouldn't have been able to get into the cockpit 
Yeah, they tried to break that. <laughs> yeah, like actually without Mama, they would have gotten away. Um, so I, I guess that kind of makes sense. That's where they it was their best way to escape. Okay. Like I guess he did try to take he did try to take off and Mama like hit it back down, doing more damage to the Razor Crest. Mm-hmm. A poor ship. Yeah. And then the two X-Wing pilots find them and somehow get their ships down there. Well, it's probably through the hole that the Razor Crest broke. Maybe, through. but that's not how they exited. Yeah, I saw them go through another hole in the cave. Exactly. Where that hole came from. But if yeah, they like, if they knew where that cave was and like that's probably where they would have had to come in through. Very true. It did look kind of different than the hole you Because if system. if they would have uh come from the top, uh Mando would have seen it because it would have been directly above him. But then they take out all the spiders using two blasters. Yeah. They're like their blasters are decent. Like these are decent blasters. It just Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not buying that. Yeah, I was very confused why guys, you're on X Wings, you have blasters on your ships. Why I guess they were trying to precisionally not destroy the Razor Crest, maybe? Yeah, because they probably just if they would have started shooting that, that's more of a we're gonna destroy the ship and everything in it, and they probably didn't want to kill everyone inside. But I think they should use like I guess they might have used that for the mom. I just missed it. Could have been. But still, two blasters. They took out a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Like when, they, when I heard the flyer, it sounded like there was like a freaking a platoon of people firing, not two guys with guns. Yeah. So I that is just continuity. They're like not continuity, but like kind of like I just believe it because don't think about it, it too much. Yeah. Um. And then, like they, like you had said, they they did another throwback to the the prisoner episode. What what was that? The prisoner episode, yeah. They they did the throwbacks. They've like they before, which was funny because before the episode, we're like, this is kind of like a one off. This probably would not think about it again. But once again, they bring back the prison the prison episode, mm-hmm. and there they're like, uh, they wanted to arrest Mando, but because he helped out the that guy in there, they didn't arrest him. Like okay, we we saw that you actually got three criminals and you tried to save our 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 Republican officer's life, so we appreciate that. Have no idea how they figured out that he did that. Besides, I guess maybe like camera footage, I think would be kind of hard to tell that he was trying to help. Maybe camera and audio. Yeah, like it is a prison ship, so there may have been cameras and audio on there. Who knows? Again, that's another thing that try not to think about it. Mm-hmm. And then the weird the thing that I really enjoyed is where they said, hey, you helped our buddy. We will not arrest you. And like, okay, cool. Man, I was like, so would you guys mind helping fix my ship? And they're like, how about screw that? We don't arrest your stupid, you stupid for not having a transponder and we get out of here. Mm-hmm. I thought they were actually going to help him out and they actually did leave. I'm like, oh, you're leaving. And then somehow... In his little toolbox of wonders, he can repair glass like safe light. Safe light repair. <laughs> light replace. Uh, like, because the, the, the mama spider's leg went straight through the cockpit window. So it's like, all right, how, how are you going to just do, does it, does it recreate glass? 
Like, because if you can repair that, then maybe you can use, in theory, the same thing on the hole in the side of your ship. All yeah, right. <laughs> like, just puts the temporary glass or something there, but like. Yeah. Um, he's like, we can pressurize this, but you like, you have broken glass. How are you pressurizing this? Mm hmm. And the last shot we have of actually not the uh, other than just the ship, but the last shot of the characters. Mm-hmm. Do you know what it was? I don't remember. Fat baby Yoda eating an egg. Oh yeah! <laughs> Once again, fat baby. Oh right, because he pulled it up. It was like right in the ship. And she goes. Yep. Mm. Don't know. Don't know. And right in front of her again. Parent of the year. Doesn't stop him. Yeah. So and then, but the final scene is like you you see the damage, and they're just trying to like get to the nearest plant for repairs, which again. They were on a planet that is habitated, like it has yeah. stuff on it, has a port on it. Why don't they bar? It has a bar. Like, <laughs> why not go there? Why not stay on the planet and get it fixed? And get a drink while you're at it while it's getting fixed. Yeah. Maybe you can charge up that because it looked like that egg contraption was on like a battery. Uh, maybe charge that up. Who knows? I don't know. So. That's the end of the episode. It was, uh, well, what do you think of the episode? What do I think of it? I like, was it too bad? I enjoyed the, the, I enjoyed the part where like in halfway, like actually basically halfway through both each act. I enjoyed those the most, like first act. I enjoyed when we got the cantina and saw them playing Savak and the little reference scene Pelly gave. That was cool. I really enjoyed them the chase scene at the end of the act two at the halfway through act two. And then I enjoyed watching them chase through the spiders. One weird thing I had though is some people say this like a horror episode. I like, not really. They're kind of spiders are kind of creepy, but the Mandalorian had guns and stuff and fire. Wasn't that terrifying? Mm-hmm. They're like instantly blowing up, and they were only there for like not that long of the episode. Like if it was like a longer they're Showed up in like halfway through Act Two or something like that. Maybe they're more terrifying, but like they were just the end of Act Three. Yeah, it's just I, I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of this this episode. It it is probably my least favorite episode to date for the Mandalorian. Um, I I just. I, I unless there's there's payoff with this uh um frog lady uh with the next episode or something like that, then it just you didn't have to have this. You you really didn't. Like, you know, it you could have gone to a different story. Is all I'm saying. And it just I, I wasn't just a fan of it. Um like, I thought it was kind of fun, but it's like, wasn't just, like, I was, I wasn't hyped at the end of it like I was the last few episodes. Like, most of them, I'm like, yeah, that was great. That's, I'm like, that was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Yeah, because, and they didn't, like, end it on, like, uh, like, like, they have been doing this, like, at the end, of the, the last shot of the episode is something like, oh, well, the last shot of this episode is just, you see the Razor Crest in just like in shambles trying to get to the next planet. Like, yeah, that's nothing like the slow Boba Fett reveal from from Mm -hmm. episode one. 
Yeah, and I've actually had like people were complaining about this episode because they thought it was just a, a re-recreation of the first season, second episode, because ship breaks down again, has to go fight a monster and protect Baby Yoda. I'm like, well, kinda, but there's a lot of other stuff in between that that make it a bit different, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's it, I I don't think they're the same uh, even remotely because like well one the in episode two the ship was wasn't destroyed it was scrapped for parts mm-hmm. um and then it was put back together by you know our favorite Ugnat and and Mando this was more like they crashed and they had to survive I mean it, the same can be said what was it for episode five episode five that is the one where he kind of like uh limps into most Eisley for the first time and his ship is it, like one of his engines is basically shot so he has another you know broken down ship and instead of fighting a creature he's got to go fight a bounty mm. like well, i'm more I think it's just like a lot of stuff. A lot of stories use similar elements between them, so it's like you call everything the same. Yeah. So yeah, but, I, um, I wouldn't read into that too much. I kind of wonder if these this episode would, would 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 benefit from being just an extra twenty minutes or so longer. Yeah, I don't need. I I don't know what else they could have done. I I really don't. Maybe teased more for the next episode. Um. Well, I mean, like, I feel like they could have been on the planet, like they crashed out a little bit longer and then found the, the stuff later on, like teased on it instead of there's egg sets, instantly awakened, instant chasing, mm-hmm. like, like stretched it out a bit more. Because when the episode got done, I'm like, all right, we should still have another like 15, 20 minutes of the episodes and credits roll. I'm like, oh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how long the next episode is. Hopefully it's in the. You know, because this one was only 36 minutes. Um, I mean, it was longer than that if you look at the time on Disney+. Plus. It was 36 minutes till, like from start till when the credits started. Um, so this is definitely one of the shorter episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think? Uh, what, are, what are your predictions for, for next episode? Next episode, I'm assuming, for, like from the trailer, we've seen like the Raider Craft was floating towards a planet broken down. Mm-hmm. Not really flying. I'm thinking this is where that scene comes into play, because I, I I I could see them like it like the ship like the engine like just stalls out there and he has to try to figure out how to fix it now in space instead of being on a planet, and with with dwindling oxygen supplies and all that fun stuff. I'm thinking that they probably will get to the nearest planet, get it repaired, maybe with some shenanigans on the way on that planet. And then they get to, then they take off and they get to the planet that, uh, you know, Frog Lady needs to get to, which is going to be an amphibious type planet, which we did see in the trailer. Um, so maybe we get there and then they, they do some exploring there and then you get the reveal of maybe um, Ahsoka Tano or, or, or Sabine or whoever. Um, I can see that. You know, I like right now. My dream is is you get Sabine and uh, Mando and um, Boba Fett 
a team up to take on Mop Gideon. I, to I still want to have a the Dark Saber man. back. Yeah, I'd see that. I really want to see a Boba Fett and Mando buddy cop movie. <laughs> that would be interesting. <laughs> um, so it, yeah, it's they could do something like that, but I, I think they need to continue the Frog Lady story. At least give her a name. Something like that, because I'm hoping there's a nice payoff with her, because right now she's like, she's adorable and kind of funny character, but mm, not my favorite. Yeah. They also need to figure out a way for them to communicate, because the we can't communicate can only play on for so long before it gets annoying and old. Uh, I know that well. I've actually played Star Wars RPGs and D&D games where someone's like, I'm playing a mute. I'm like, Really? You're playing a mute. And the campaign sucked. Mm-hmm. I do not doubt that. Um, so I, I guess, you know, I think that's probably going to be it for this for this episode, unless you got anything else. I think it's all I got for now. The only thing I, I was kind of thinking of watching the episode is I wouldn't mind seeing a horror version of Star Wars with, like, regular everyday people who don't have the Mandalorian training, the Jedi powers, and all the other bullcrap. Mm. Just normal everyday people try to survive with terrifying things in the galaxy. I would not be against that. That would be fun. Now, I'm not a big horror person, so... But I get, I get the appeal to that. I just think it'd be funny to see someone who's actually trying to survive without, bull, without just bullcrap powers. Yeah. The power of convenience saves me. Exactly. So um, I guess that will do it this week for us. We'll get back to you guys next week, hopefully with Death Squad, uh, with his computer fixed. Uh, But that will do it for this show. So thank you all for listening. We also want to give out a shout out to our uh, Clan of Three, the Armorer, Wookie BH, for all those awesome quick snippets about the plots. Uh, to or each as act. of now, we're calling him just the Armorer because the Clan of Three, the Armorer, is too long. Let's just call yeah. him the Armorer. We'll just call him the Armorer. Um, so we want to sh- shout out him out because those are awesome. And uh, social media, you can follow Mash Those Buttons on Twitter, and that's at, at the Mash Network. Uh, Kerr, where can they find you at? They can find me on Twitter at Kerrbaras, K-U-R-A-B-A-R-A-S. Where I'm tweeting about random stuff from video games, Star Wars, or whatever fights my fancy. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and that's at, at edinart 83 uh, You can join the Mash Those Buttons community on Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. Uh, share the show with others and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can support show support for the show by becoming a Patreon over at patreon.com slash mash those buttons. Uh, tiers available for as little as $1 a month. Uh, we do have a Teespring store, and that's at teespring.com slash stores slash mash those buttons. Uh, please stay tuned after the show to hear about other shows on our networks. I have spoken. This is the way. Or as Death Squad says, may the Schwartz be with you. No, never again. All right. I'll <laughs> see you guys next week.
Thanks for listening to a Mash Those Buttons production. If you enjoyed the show, you should check out MashThoseButtons.com and see if any of our other shows might interest you. All of our shows are available on your podcast platform of choice like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. If you enjoy our content, you can help support Mash Those Buttons by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash MashThoseButtons, where you can receive Patreon bonuses for as little as $1 a month. You can connect with Mash Those Buttons at Twitter.com slash The Mash Network, Facebook.com slash Mash Those Buttons, or join our Discord at mash.gg slash Discord. 